Welcome, listeners, to our bonus episode review on Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. I'm in my Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at me. So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. And it has been. On August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group telling you In this town, I can all change like that. You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. All right, Dean, Once Upon a Time in America, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Is it? I thought that was the uh, Sergio Leone film. It's uh, Hollywood, Hendo. What did I say? Hollywood, not America. What did I say? <laughs> you said Once Upon a Time in America. Quentin oh, Tarantino's man, it's just so ingrained in my head. Film. There's so many Once Upon a Times in movies. Got to get used to this Hollywood one now. Yes, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, apparently. So that that does mean- Apparently. Yeah, well, you know, do you want to count Kill Bill 1 and 2 as separate films? Because that's his tenth then, if that's the case. Well, no, he counts it as one. So, so do I. And apparently he's got one left or something. Yeah, all jibber-jabber. I'm sure he's got another three more to go. Wow, big yeah, call from big you. Call, big call, big call. But let's just go through the cast here. Let's go through the the, uh, the main cast here. Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, and just a slew of bit actors here and there. Too many to name off. But like we've been following recently, it is actually in the top 250 at the moment with an average of 8.2 so far over 91,000 ratings. Now, this is a delayed review because bloody Australia, we just get oh, everything so late. Two weeks late. Do you know how hard it is to stay away from spoilers and everything, given how, you know, we are a podcast, we we interact with a lot of people online. and About movies. Yeah, and every time I see Once Upon a Time Hollywood, no, no, move on, moving on. Were you spoiled no. on anything? No. I had my theories of what, what was going to be in this movie, just based off trailers that I've seen and, and 
and the knowledge of what the movie was about. But in terms of actual spoilers and people's opinions, all I knew was that it had been sitting in the top 250. Yeah, and I think, as you say, like you had an expectation for what you thought or an idea of what you thought this movie was about. I think expectations played a big role in my viewing experience of it, to be honest. Is it because it is Quentin Tarantino? How do you get past that? Exactly. Exactly. It is the latest Tarantino Leonardo film DiCaprio. With all your favourite yeah, actors. Brad Pitt, Margot like, Robbie. Had you seen any trailers for it? No, I okay. hadn't yeah. seen any. And all I knew is it's obviously set in you know, the 60s, Hollywood, about the Manson family murders. That's what I knew. That's your That was your knowledge going in. absolutely it. Okay. Well, share us your opinion, Dean. What did you think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Bear in mind, we are going to do a spoiler-free portion at the start, even though most of you have probably seen this movie already at this point, but we will do spoiler-free and we will move on to spoiler-filled later on in the episode. So, Dean, your spoiler-free thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I honestly, I, I don't know how to feel about this movie. Well, dude, I... I am the same. I I think when I walked out of the cinema, I was like, I feel like I need to see this again. I just said this to you before we started recording, but I'm actually going to watch this movie again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I need to see it again with different expectations because my expectations of what this film was going to be were not meant. Yeah. And when the film finished... Even though it's a long film, which I must say I had absolutely no issues with the runtime at all, Mm -hmm. I wanted it to keep going. But I kind of felt like in a bad way. It wasn't like Tarantino left me wanting more and let me out on a high. I felt like I wanted more because I didn't get what I went in there looking for. Okay. If that makes any sense. So uh, it's hard to go into it more without getting into spoilers, but I think that... Let's run through the, you know, the the headlines here. Performances. Oh, A plus. Absolutely. Like Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, I, they are on point in this film. DiCaprio is, man, he there is a reason why he's one of the best actors going around right now. Yeah, he's he's stunning. Pitt is stunning. Like I I at this stage I actually prefer Pitt's performance me too. to DiCaprio's. Yeah, me too. Um and I prefer Pitt's storyline to DiCaprio's when they sort of veer off in their separate ways. I think listen, there was a lot there was a lot of controversy at Cannes about uh Margot Robbie's lack of dialogue um, in mm-hmm. this movie. I was actually surprised how much she was in it. Yeah. Considering, you know, that controversy going in there, I thought, gee, is she going to be hardly in it? She's actually in it a lot. And I did not really get on board with her storyline at all. Uh, do you know the story well, of Sharon Tate? So I get, yeah. Do I know the story of Sharon Tate? I didn't. Okay. I did not know. I mean, <laughs> I knew. I knew going in that Sharon Tate was killed by who I thought was Marilyn. 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 What's his name? Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Thank you, Marilyn Manson. I was listening to Marilyn Manson yesterday through me. Um, by Charles Manson. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I which feel- is which is false, by the way. He, she wasn't killed by Charles yes, Manson. I, I know, yeah. I know, yeah. I know this now. Obviously, yeah. since I've finished this movie, because I thought here was my thoughts, right? I thought I don't want to know about this stuff going in. I feel like if I know the true story, maybe that will spoil elements of the film. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I I wish I'd known. Yeah. All the story. I wish I'd known. All these little clues that Tarantino puts, like these big winks to the audience in this film, to the real-life events surrounding Sharon Tate and the Manson family, I did not get any of them. See, and I feel like that's where this time the trailer might have benefited you by seeing that, yes, this is this is where it's going. They, they show how he lives next door to Sharon Tate. They they show a little image of Charles Manson in the in the um, the trailer to set that up, that this is where the story's going. I feel like if you had a little bit more knowledge about where that was going, 
you might you might have had a bit more different expectations as you as you watched it. Yeah, I it was it was really it threw me what this film did, and I've I've like I've since honestly I've since watched you know a good couple of hours on YouTube of the things that were accurate in the film, the things that oh, really? weren't, the things that you know all the winks, the twenty five. I, I haven't watched twenty five things you didn't know about. Once I have upon not a watched time or listened like, to a single all, thing. All this stuff, I'm just trying to absorb as many like facts and information about this film as I can, and I really, really, really struggled giving it a rating. I I think there's a big, there's obviously a big theme here about the golden age of cinema and the particularly westerns, man. This is almost as much of a western as it is a you know a 60s, sure. 60s cinema piece. Absolutely, and that's the thing. Like we know that Tarantino has an obsession with spaghetti westerns. Yep. We know this. And it's very detailed. Like I love like the craftsmanship that Tarantino puts on here. It just feels so accurate in terms of how cinema was in the 60s and, and what they went through, especially with, you know, at that time, traveling to Italy to do spaghetti westerns. This was prime for that movement. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, this is the sort of stuff that I've been learning over the last couple of days is that this is what actors who were struggling, this is what they did. Yeah. They went to Italy and starred in these spaghetti westerns. And like, there's so many references in this film to stuff that's real, like, you know, Timothy Oliphant's character. He's real. Like, yeah. all this stuff's real it's you know these these stunt coordinators these trainers the directors the makeup people all these people are real people it feels like the genuinely the only fictionalized characters are rick and cliff yeah and and it's great like it is a great entertaining look at hollywood in the 60s can i ask has hutchie been overpassed by the greatest dog in the world i mean i <laughs> I went home and the first thing I Googled was, like, that dog. That dog <laughs> is such a beautiful dog. It is. Like, and I wasn't, I wasn't sure that it was Pitbull. I thought it was um, a, a different breed. And I, I did some Google. It, it's a Pitbull. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous dog. Great dog. Great dog. It is. It's fantastic. <laughs> I must say this is also Tarantino's probably least... Well, I actually probably wouldn't say it's, it's his least violent film. I'd say Jackie Brown is his least violent film. I mean, there's least amount of violence, yes, but when the violence comes, it's graphic. Yes, when it gets to it, it's, it's like, holy shit, this is what's happening right now. It is very, very graphic. So I feel like if we start to discuss a bit more, we're probably going to start getting into a bit more spoiler stuff. So do you have a rating for us at the moment? <laughs> so here's the thing. I actually, I actually wrote down... I jotted a few notes and I wrote down, all right, if I'm being honest with myself, and it's so hard to separate, what do I rate this as a Tarantino film and what do I rate this as a film? So I think I had it at three and a half stars yeah, and then I went to four because mm-hmm. I thought, no, I know on a rewatch I'm going to give it a better mark. My expectations hurt my viewing experience, but I don't know, like the amount, the amount of thought that has actually gone into this film for me, the amount of interest I've shown in actually researching it, the fact I'm mm-hmm. happy, like so looking forward to seeing it again tomorrow, Yeah, even though I saw it two days ago, I think says a lot. And then I look, you know what's actually thrown me? I'm going to give it four, but what, what actually pushed me over the edge is looking at some other films that I'd given four to. And I'm like, well, I like this better than that. Yeah. And I like this better than that. I was like, nah, this is a four. It's just, I am disappointed in it. I'm disappointed in this movie because I was expecting... A fiver. I mean, five, <laughs> you don't expect a five. I was expecting four and a half. Okay. Um, And I didn't get that. So... 
that's probably where I stand on it. What about you, Hendo? Yeah, see, I as soon as I stepped out of the cinema, for the record, my wife didn't really like this film, but she had absolutely no idea about any of this. When I told her at the end, this is actually true about the Sharon Tate, Charles Manson murders and explained a bit to her, she she sort of understood where it was going from, but she actually thought it was you know, a bit too long, a bit too boring in parts. And I, did you? No, I don't think I did. Like, it was never a point where I was like, oh my God, what's the runtime here? There were a couple of points where I was like, Okay, that seemed a bit unnecessary considering I know it goes for so long. Like you probably could have got rid of that and I would have been perfectly fine. It wouldn't have changed anything. Like there there's definitely a lot of I guess mini subplots that go throughout the film. I also feel like that the third act was quite rushed in comparison to the first two. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? I like do. The, like the exposition narrative. I thought this... I, I, I personally didn't find that. I just felt that the first two acts were so elongated and it and it was it delved right into the story. Like they go through everything in those first two acts. And then there's a transition and there's a lot of narrative about what has happened. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you could have... You could have transitioned into that a bit more smoother until it gets to you know the actual like the the third act where everything just goes balls to the wall and ridiculous. And I've kind of done the same as you, where I initially I, I got out of the the cinema. I'm like, okay, couple of issues. I think it's a I think it's a three and a half. But I have been thinking about it for the last two days, and I've been doing what you did. I, I tried to. What about my other Tarantino films? Yeah. I, you know, I give Django four stars. I give Hateful Eight four stars, and I'm like, oh, I, I think this is better than Django. I I'm, I maybe think this is better than Hateful Eight. So. Yeah. Just thinking about everything about this film, I have some negatives, but you can have negatives for a four-star film. That's why it's a four-star film. So I do give this four stars as well. Nice, nice. What about your cinema experience? Anything stands out to you here? Fuck you. <laughs> um, all right, my cinema experience, I, I'll start by saying this has never, ever, ever happened to me, and I've gone to the movies a truckload, as you all would obviously know. I arrived at the cinema at the time that I thought it was meant to start, casually stroll on up, give my ticket to the lady, yeah, no worries, go on through. I was like, geez, it's probably going to be like half an hour of ads. I'll casually go to the bathroom, casually stroll on in, and I'll walk in, the cinema is completely black, and on the screen is Leo doing his little gift dance with the ladies. I was like, oh my God. I looked at my at my phone, my ticket, and I was half an hour late. You absolute I mom. I could not, I was, I mean, I've been looking forward to seeing this film for so long. <laughs> I was in absolutely no rush to get there. I could have got there earlier. There was no... I could have, whenever I wanted. I walk in and I'm just... You've got to be... I sit down and I've got bloody Al Pacino and Leo talking and I'm like, oh no. What have I missed? Well done, mate. Now, I believe that's about 10 minutes in. I will not spoil it for you since you're going back to see it again. I actually found the first three minutes on YouTube. Oh, the old... um the interview between the guy and... Well, they have that in the trailer too. Yeah, so I hadn't seen any trailer. So I saw that bit. So, But like, actually, it's funny. In watching some of these um, YouTube clips, they show clips of the movie and there are a lot of... Sh- there are shots that I have not seen. <laughs> I'm like, fucking hell! Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of shots, especially especially in several of the trails where it is at the, the Al Pacino DiCaprio conversation at the start. Yeah. Yeah, I came in at the arse end of that. So that was So you so you missed the uh the fake movie of DiCaprio as the 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 Nazi killer? Yes. Oh, yes. no way. Yes. So <laughs> I'll, I look forward to seeing that uh, tomorrow and completing this movie viewing for me. <laughs> well, I had a, a a funny cinema experience as well. We we booked our tickets online like we do, and I, I always find a spot where we're on the we're near the this the aisle. We're near the aisle, 
and there's no one around, there's no one on it on the side of us for us. So all right, cool. Let's book these two tickets. We sit down. We're getting ready with it. We made it on time. We made it early. You know, that's what we do. And all of a sudden, these four people walk beside me and sit down right next to me. It is the first time I've had someone unknown sit next to me in a cinema for so long. It is so really weird and uncomfortable. Oh, the cinema was packed. Really? Yeah. I saw it opening day and there was maybe 12 people in the cinema. Oh, I thought, I've got a good spot here. No one's going to book these tickets. But no, because it was packed, these four people sat down right next to me. I'm like, great. So I'm like hunched up, move my drink over, looking down at the next row, completely empty. And I'm like, I'm ready to just leap over this seat. But now all of a sudden the movie starts and like 20 people come and sit down in front. I'm like, oh. like this is now okay. I am I am wedged between this this bloke. Oh, were you in a small cinema or something? No, it was packed you're out. Making it sound like you're in a bloody aeroplane and you're all tucked up together. Hey, I like to be relaxed when I'm at the cinema, and I like to put my drink and my popcorn and that down on the seat next to me. But no, couldn't do that this time. So I had to have it on the ground. It was very very uh, weird. And for the record, we're about halfway through this film, and you know there's certain points where it's just a lot of acting, talking, quite silent at points. And all of a sudden, in my left ear, I hear. I swear it wasn't me. The guy next to me fell asleep. Wow. I'm like, what do I do? Do I just like give this guy a nudge? Like, no, no. Luckily, his wife woke him up. (laughs) I was like, really, mate? Oh, interesting, interesting experience. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. You want to get into spoilers, mate? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We are going into spoilers for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, starting now. After this, there is no turning back. I strongly recommend caution. Oh mate, the the end. Obviously, we. It felt so tacked on to me. Yeah. It honestly, it felt like another movie. I was like, "What is going on here?" And then the violence. Like, I have no issue with violence in film, mm. but when he is repeatedly slamming dog food into this chick's nose, I was just like, "This is a little too much." No, it really felt. See, these it are the people. Really felt gratuitous. These are the people who viciously, viciously, brutally murdered all these people. Yeah, but Cliff doesn't know that. But it's more for the audience. Like, they've come in with knives. He's high as a kite. He's got his dog attacking the... They, he knows these are the people from the ranch as well. Yeah. I I had an idea that this is where it was going to go. That they would go into that house instead I had of a feel, I had a feeling that, the, that Tarantino's not going to show these brutal murders of Sharon Tate and all that. He's going to have like a Inglorious Bastards kind of thing where he yep. rewrites history. And I thought that perhaps these two intervene somehow. And sure enough, that happened. I didn't realise it was going to be this insanely brutal, but... The fact is, is this not Tarantino playing the the violence for sort of a comedy as well? Because everyone in my in the cinema I was in was laughing their ass off when this was really? happening. Especially when DiCaprio brings out the flamethrower, everyone was in riots. And I'm like, is this us you know, laughing at these people's misery? Like they're getting brutally murdered here, and everyone is. So you think because the cinema knows that these people were in real life, you know, they killed pregnant Sharon Tate. To see them get killed is like a yeah, take that sort of deal. I don't think all of them would know that that's what actually happened. Like these were like about the brutal murders, but it's more a play on this violence is comedic. People laugh at this. I mean, the flamethrower. It was amusing. Yeah. Like, and tell me if you're okay. Let's put you in the pool of water. Yes, yes, I know. I would dunk on it. Dunk my head under water. How do you not immediately drop? Yes, exactly. It was like she's not. She's not yeah. even trying to get underwater here. She's on fire. Yes, it's true. That's what people are on that's, fire do. They that's look what I was for thinking. A body of water. I was definitely she's sitting there. Literally in the middle of a swimming pool. I was definitely sitting duck, there going, you idiot. "Why don't you just duck your head under?" No, didn't happen. What do you think of the 
sort of the the almost thriller horror portion in the ranch where Brad Pitt's going into Best the house. Best movie by Mark. Fantastic. I, I I did not know what was going to happen there. I thought he was going to you know get. I don't know. I don't know. I and see here's one thing where I actually thought I would enjoy it even more if I knew that was a Manson ranch. I didn't even know Manson had a ranch. Like I don't know anything about this guy at all. And I think watching it, had I known, I would be thinking, okay, when he finally, when all this build up pays off and he finally opens that back door, I would be thinking, right, we're getting Charles Manson in there. Yeah. But the fact that everything that Dakota Fanning is saying is true, it just blows your mind. Yeah, you do not expect that to be what it is. But here's another thing. If you actually are well-versed with this Manson family story, you know that it is this George Stan, I think his name is, who actually does let them all stay there and he you know, sleeps with the women all that, and all that sort of stuff. Like... I didn't know any of that, but man, I loved it. That whole thing was so great, which is why I liked Pitt's story, his performance better. Whereas Leo, I mean, we all know Leo is a fantastic actor. And I actually love seeing actors in movies acting. Especially when this is a guy who is actually past his prime and yeah, is fading away. How good was that scene with the little girl? That was great. It was a really, really good Rick scene. Rick fucking Dalton. And that the end of it, when after he's thrown her down and he's just like, he pulls her, oh, I hope you didn't mind her. Th-. And I was like, oh, shit. She didn't know that was coming. And hmm. she's like, that was the best acting I've ever seen. And like, because of this long conversation before, you know, that actually means something. Yeah, absolutely. This, girl. this isn't some, you know, blase, you know, oh my God, I'm in a movie sort of girl. This mm-hmm. is an artist who is appreciating what he has done. And that that payoff for him, I felt, was really, really earned, which was nice. I really like several of the mini cameos that were coming through. Did you get a little Michael Madsen cameo in there? Or did you miss that part? I think I missed Michael Madsen. Yeah, Michael Madsen is in a quick scene, like a black and white scene with uh, Leo on, on his uh, Bounty Law show. Yeah, apparently Tim Roth was in one of them as well, but yeah. it got cut. I saw that in the credits. But I'm I like, saw Tim Roth in the credits, yeah. Yeah, Tim Roth, cut. I'm like, ooh, all right. Did it actually say <laughs> it that? It said cut. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, that's, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, it's better than not being that's true. in the credits. What about the whole Bruce Lee mini <laughs> movie oh i love the bruce lee scenes i'm just it's annoying that it's turned into this big controversy what controversy so the i think it's daughter of bruce lee i think her name is shannon lee it could be niece i don't know a relative of bruce lee has come out and complained that bruce lee would not act like that he's not arrogant like that and it's honestly like this is a controversy surrounding this film with this portrayal of a real life person as a different character to what they allegedly were in real life. Okay, because I thought that that whole story was just in Brad Pitt's mind. Like, this is him well, playing that's, it that's out. the other thing. That's the other thing. Like, that scene is a flashback. Because he, be- so, he beats so, Bruce Lee down. Well, I'm like, well, they that draw. Happen. They draw. And oh, he's, he's, even still. He's, so here's the thing. So they have the, the best of three, right? Bruce Lee wins the first one. Brad Pitt wins the second one. And the third one, Tarantino actually wrote that Pitt would win it by, like, fighting dirty. He does some dirty move. But people around him said, no, it's so much better if it gets stopped when they're drawing. But that first one where Bruce Lee won, I thought that Brad Pitt just let him do that because he just stood there and took the kick like he was he was trying to gauge how he would react he didn't move he leaps up and kicks he's like all right you got that one and then immediately just anticipates the next one and throws him into the car 
because he just saw what he's going to do. Exactly, but he let him do it. He wanted to see what he was going to do. Yeah. He didn't I, even try I, to duck it. I do it. think what you said, though, is is correct, where you've got to take it as though we are seeing his version of events. Yeah. This is not a factual representation of what we're seeing necessarily. And this whole thing with him, he may have killed his wife, That's that that is only mentioned in that mini story. That is not mentioned at all in any other part of this movie. So this is like his own little story to be shown how much of a badass he is. Because he tells Bruce Lee, he tells Bruce Lee, yeah, careful with him. He he might he must have. He, I reckon he killed his wife to give him that sort of wool. He's such a he's such a badass guy. He, be careful, he's is unstable. That true, that's the only time it's mentioned. Yep, it's only Ooh. because it's only mentioned with Kurt Russell. He's like, I can't have this guy here. My wife thinks he killed his wife. And then the second time it's mentioned is when they tell Bruce Lee, careful with this guy. We're pretty sure he killed his wife. Okay. And then Bruce is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out tomorrow. I thought that was mentioned again because that I don't that, think it was. That whole thing has. Like, a lot of the talk and stuff that's being written about this film is about that. Is about, you know, the real hero of this, the real, the the true American cowboy of this film is Brad Pitt. Hmm. And how are we as an audience meant to get around this hero, someone who may have killed his wife? And the fact that but, it's left... You know, the, footage, the footage they show of him where he's with his wife, they don't show him do it. They show him sitting there with, from what it looked like, an unloaded spear... There was nothing in that, and there's choppy waves. She's going nuts. This could have very easily been that she fell overboard and she he couldn't well, that, save it. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, it's and again, to, it's all it's, it's all up in his to mind. The audience to decide that this is all in his mind, from my interpretation. This is a story that he's making up for himself to make him look like a more unstable person when he's fighting Bruce Lee. Mm. Yeah, that's actually based on a real um, Hollywood couple as well. Not really. Yeah, Natalie Wood was the name of the wife who um, drowned under mysterious circumstances, and a, for life of me, I don't remember the um, the guy Robert. Wagner is coming to mind for some Robert reason. Robert Wagner, number two from Austin Powers? Yeah, yeah. But um, it might not be. Don't quote me on that, Hendo. Oh, what, what did you think of the old Roman Polanski? Oh, man. <laughs> timely. Timely, timely, yeah, timely definitely. For us, having just done the penis breakdown, but I'm glad he was barely in it. Yep. I mean, that's all, that's all you needed. He needed to be in the film. Yes. Because he's the husband of Sharon Tate. Yep. But they give him so very little screen time. Yep. That's good. It is good. It is good. Even like the... But I just want to talk about like Charles Manson coming to the house, asking for those two people that don't live there. Like he knew those two people. He was yep. friends with those two people. That all makes sense. Even him driving around in the old Twinkie truck. Yep. That's real. He did that. But the clues that were setting up this sort of ominous end that I weren't picking on was uh, even the Cielo Drive. I, I knew nothing about that. Okay. The dates that are leading up, like mm. people know, I think it's August 8, 1969. People know that as the day, the day that the Hollywood dream in the 60s ended. Um, and again, means absolutely nothing to me in the movie. There was no build of tension from these little clues. Very interested to hear thoughts after you see it for a second time now. Which I think added to the fact that I feel like this whole violent end just came from nowhere. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. I mean, we haven't mentioned production design. Oh, it looks stunning. Yeah. And uh, like I was looking at like the real wide shots mm-hmm. of every car, every person. It is so lots of good car shots, like just yeah. uh, Brad Pitt driving around. Do you know that um that Cadillac that they're driving is actually Michael Madsen's that they used in Reservoir Dogs? Oh, really? Yeah. Is <laughs> that good on him? <laughs> That's obviously how he got the role. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't talk about a Tarantino film without the music. What do you think of the soundtrack for this one? Very sixties, I might add. Sixties. Uh, honestly, on first viewing. I didn't notice it. On a Tarantino film, you didn't notice the soundtrack. I mean, there's so much to take in. <laughs> this movie has Very so true. much going on. Like, even though it is it's definitely a slower burn, but I was just trying to absorb as much information as I could. Um, see, this is another thing, like, second viewing tomorrow. I'm looking forward to listening to the music. I was definitely shocked with all these cameos in this movie. We didn't get no Samuel L. Jackson. No, we did not. Hold on. Did you like the music? It was good. It's definitely fitting for its time. I was into it. 
it fits perfect. I really uh, not as not as enjoyable as several of his other tr- soundtracks, yeah. but still, I enjoyed it. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah. A few cameos. No Sam Jackson. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, what'd you make of the narration? As you mentioned before, but it being Kurt Russell. Yeah. That, I didn't like the fact that he narrates it, but he's also in the movie. I thought it should have been Tarantino. Like, Tarantino would have been great. Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. Oh man. Been great. Imagine that voice coming you know on. What I mean? I'm not sure why it needed to be a character that's in the movie narrating. Yeah. Because it's not. It's not his character narrating. No. He's he's not a a big part who knows this whole story from afar. It needed to be an outside narrator. See, I think I remember saying a while ago when the trailer came out that I saw that Kurt Russell was in it. I thought he was going to be Stuntman Mike. I thought it was going to be Stuntman Mike back in this movie. Well, it, he looked like him. It, it basically fits. is. Yeah, but then I'm like, oh, no, this is in the 60s and th- that movie set yeah, way people, in advance. People are saying, oh, it's Stuntman Mike's dad. But, yeah. um, I mean, it's him and him and Zoe Bell, obviously, yeah. reuniting from Death Proof, which is a great a great little callback for Tarantino fans' ads. This, yeah, there's so much in here to appreciate. There's a lot to absorb in this film. One thing I did like, very interesting that they actually CGI'd Leonardo DiCaprio into oh, The Great, great Escape. escape. I love that. But I love the touch where they don't put Margot Robbie into the movie that Sharon Tate was in. Yeah. And that actually was Sharon Tate. That's like a, it's a respect thing. Yep. Like they're here to honour her. I felt, I don't know, the Margot Robbie stuff felt a little pointless for me. Like what did she do in this movie? She goes to a party at the Playboy Mansion. She goes and sees a movie and goes home. Okay, so you prefer that she wasn't in the film at all? I mean, I guess she's got to be there, but it's such a, I was thinking about it after. I was like, she's barely in this. Like, I, th- I, th- I personally, I personally think that it contrasts the old and the new here. You've got oh, that's good. Rick Dalton, who's pretty much he's fading away now. He's oh, and Cliff and Cliff, of course. And then you've got you know young up and coming superstar Sharon Tate, who's starting her life out in Hollywood. Superstar? She she probably was on the rise to being a well known Hollywood the cinema <laughs> owner. Makes her stand next to the poster so they know who she is. But she was becoming an up up and comer, and maybe this whole. Superstars of Stretch, Hedda. These two washed out stuntman and actor save her life. Hmm. They protect her. What do you make of that? Well, I think it's good. I think they're respecting the town and the profession. Like, obviously, it's all symbolic. They're not deliberately doing it. But I think, I guess that's a good way. You make a good point of you're contrasting not just the old and the new, but the gritty and the clean. Yeah. You know, like the 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 sort of negative life of Hollywood versus the very positive life of Hollywood. So I I guess it does one does emphasize the other, which is a um probably a better way of looking at it than just what's the point. True. Something that wasn't clean has about all those feet. Oh, it's just <laughs> stupid now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tarantino's like, yeah, I'm doing it. I don't even care. I'm doing it. <laughs> you know I'm doing it. Bank later. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like it's not just it's not just Margot Robbie in the cinema. There's multiple times I'm like, oh my god. Surely when he asks these actresses to take their shoes off, they just do the biggest eye roll. It must be in the contract. Like you're coming onto this movie, be prepared to show your feet. Yeah. But yeah, I've I think I've made my thoughts. I think clear. we've said yeah. I think we've said our bit. Oh, I definitely want to watch this again yeah. to pick up on things that I think I missed. No, I think it's... And that's the thing. Like, I think back to when I first saw The Hateful Eight, I was in no hurry to rush out and see that again. Yeah. Like, I really liked it, but it's not a movie I'm like, oh, man, I have to see that again. Whereas this one, man, I just want to watch it again. Yeah, fair enough. That's going to do it. We both give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a four out of five. So thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this episode. And we'll see you soon for Bro v. Bro. Ooh. Bye. Seems this world